All right. I will aside from the fact that I look like I need to get a good night's sleep, because I do, uh, I'm ready. All right, let's do it. All right. What's up, Jeff? How you doing, Jeff? I'm okay. This is exciting, this technology. And I mean, I've never, have you, you've never done this before. I've never done this before, this split, split thing. Uh, no, well, well, I've done interviews, you know, online before. Uh, but, but not it, directly, yeah. not directly through Facebook Live. I always thought you had to have like BeLive or, or some other uh, third party software to be able to do that. But no, apparently you can do it directly through Facebook Live. This is awesome. Very cool. Yeah, this is my first time. So for other people watching, we discovered that you, as long as everyone, as long as both of you have an iOS device, an iPhone or an iPad, um, then then it allows you to uh, add someone in the comments to the live stream. And we tested it, and uh, it worked. So, all right. Well, I love technology. Okay, so um, I don't know what thoughts you have. Uh, I I see this as just sort of let's just see where it goes kind of conversation. And then maybe okay. if we do that again, maybe we'll work towards being more structured. Sure. Um, so, uh, so you know, NMT pretty well. Yes, uh, I am just starting to learn it, but it's already a mind bender. Um, did, did you, did you see the Stephanie Kelton interview with, uh, Bill, I Bill saw, Mitchell? I saw about, I saw about 25 minutes, 30 minutes of it. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's uh, she's the person associated to MMT for me, as far as I'm concerned. She was my breakthrough. You know, I love Ellis Winningham. I love Dr. Joe Firestone, of course, Steve Grumbine, uh, Bill Mitchell, Warren Mosler. I could go on. Uh, there are so many people out there, and they bring so many different uh, personalities, different ways of describing it. So, if even if Stephanie Kelton doesn't penetrate your 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 knowledge. Uh, then someone else will. You know, I truly believe that we all learn in different ways. We all understand things differently. And there are multiple ways of describing the same concept. Uh, our job, those that understand modern monetary theory, uh, it's our job to find a way to explain it in a way that you understand it. Not in a way that simply tries to come up with bullshit, uh, but in a way that simply says, well, you didn't understand X, Y, Z. Okay, well, let's try it in a different way, come at it from a different angle, see if you can do that. If you look at all these different you know, economists, uh, economists that understand modern monetary theory, that understand you know, the truth about how the economy actually works, you will find at least one of them that you will be able to, to identify with, you'll be able to, uh, to get it. Uh, Stephanie Kelton was my aha moment. Uh, and then the screaming began because then I got really pissed off. Because you hear all the, the myths and we, the lies we, and all that stuff. We've been lied to. We've been lied to for so long. And all it takes is just logic. All it takes is a simple, logical understanding of the Constitution and of the gold standard and what it means to no longer be on a gold standard, to understand inflation and the different ways in which we can have inflation, the different ways in which it can happen and to realize that all the different areas of the world where there has been rampant inflation, and people always point out, oh, Greece, oh, Greece, what about Weimar Germany? Uh. Yeah, it's not the same situation. You have to look at the totality of what's going on. If inflation is your fear, then you have to truly understand inflation and all the different ways it can come about before you can start saying that, you know, 
it's going to happen here because it happened there. No, but I don't think I don't think the a, I don't think the average person really has a concept of inflation. I mean, I guess that just yeah. means simply stating it's just prices go incredibly high. And well, there's yeah, well, there's different types of inflation. There, there's cost of living adjustments, you know, and then there's inflation, you know, and that comes in various different forms. What everyone points to immediately is hyperinflation, you know, where over a very short period of time, prices are going up 100 percent, 200 percent, a thousand percent, you know, over the course of days, weeks or months uh, in a very yeah. unsustainable fashion. Now, that's like step 12. Fear. I mean, that's like step 12. I mean, that's not yes. even even the beginning of inflation. It mm -hmm. takes a lot to get to hyperinflation. I mean, it, it takes a cataclysmic event. You know, you take the, the instance, one of the first things that people point to is Weimar Germany, you know, or the, the Weimar Republic, which is the form of government that they had in Germany post-World War I. Uh, from World War I to uh, basically when Hitler took over prior to World War II. Uh, and they had hyperinflation. What most people will say is, well, you know, they look at that situation and they realize that the Republic was printing money, creating money uh, to try to buy themselves out of a situation. And you also see all these prices rising and rising and rising and rising. But MMT is, is simply a description of the monetary system. It describes accurately how a dollar is created, how it circulates through the economy, and where it goes to meet its demise. It's a shame uh, that it has the word theory associated to it. I don't like that either. You know, even the people that uh, promote and talk about and, and started MMT, Stephanie Kelton will tell you she doesn't like the word theory in there. Now, Bill Mitchell will tell you he doesn't like the word theory. It just, it, it was created, it stuck. Mm -hmm. What can you do? Uh, it's no more a theory than gravity is a theory. You know, it accurately describes the system. So I, I, I don't know the history of Weimar and, and I, uh, mm -hmm. Rwanda. I don't remember the other, the other Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe um, so is a big I don't one know. that comes up. Venezuela I hear those, comes up a lot. Greece comes up a lot. Yeah, so I hear these come up. I don't know this story, those stories yet. But were any of those fiat currencies, which I know we're going to get into later, but were those countries fiat currencies? Uh, all those countries, you know, either lost control of their... Uh, currency. In the case of Greece, you know, a very famous modern case of them losing their fiat currency. They don't do the drachma anymore. They do uh, the euro. They are not the issuers of the euro. They have to go begging and borrowing for their cash. So before we even get into this, I, I, I apologize. Maybe we shouldn't have started off with all these different hyperinflation. Let's just yeah. start with an accurate description of what MMT but is. Before we even get into that, though. Sure. I'd like to I'd like to summarize and someone just asked uh, Susan just said I'd like to know what Jeff's understanding is and, and I think I think it would be nice to summarize briefly I mean it's hard to do now that I have this new knowledge of what yeah. people currently understand it to be mm -hmm. like we understand that that we're told that taxes pay for federal stuff yeah. we're told that we have this horrible deficit. We're told that if we do mm -hmm. this, we'll have the debt will go to the sky and, and we won't be able to pay our debts to other countries, I presume. Um, so we can't afford uh, if we, if we, you know, we, we doing a single payer healthcare will bankrupt the country 
17 trillion or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it'll be too costly. But then, but then we'll have, you know, this vote for 670, whatever it is, billion for the military. And there's not even a discussion of it. Yeah. So they can afford that without even discussing it, but Mm -hmm. to afford free college for 75 billion a year, we can't afford it. Yeah. Um, They made their decisions. They've made their choices. They have their moral center, such as it is, and they go with it. And we second and die. So how is it possible? And I, I mean, I know the general answer, but how is it possible that our politicians can so easily afford hundreds and almost a trillion dollars on the military without any discussion mm-hmm. because it's important, but we can't afford $75 billion a year for free college at public universities because it's too expensive. How that is a very difficult thing. Like I think, I think progressives had this feeling of we want all the Bernie Sanders stuff. We want free college. We want sure. single payer. We want forgiveness of student debt, which is the new thing that's, you know, Stephanie Kelton's report has come out with uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. that is validated that what the Green Party has already talked about. Yeah. We want these things, but we're told that they're impossible. Mm-hmm. We're told that they're impossible. Yeah. And MMT we're shows that it's not true. MMT yeah. shows that it's not true. Absolutely um, not true. So, go ahead. Well, I want to answer that question in terms of how they do it and why they do it. The politicians lying to us. That's a question I definitely want to answer. It is a, in my opinion, a matter of opinion, because when you get hundreds of people together in a room and they all do a similar thing, I don't ascribe a single motive to them. I ascribe at the very least variations of 300 different motivations. but basically what I'm saying is I can't prove what I know to be true, what I feel in my heart to be true, but I'll, I will get to that in a moment. Uh, first, and, first and foremost, uh, we have been told that the federal government is like a household. And you will have seen this, um, both Democrats and Republicans. Both of them say exactly the same thing. The, the federal government is like a household. You can expect the federal government to spend money it does not have. You can't do it at home. We can't do it either. We have to get our fiscal house in order. That is a lie. But that is an absolute lie. And I'm going to explain exactly why right now. But but maybe you're going to, maybe you're just going to continue to answer what I'm about to say. But but I'm thinking of okay. Let's say they are a household. This myth. Mm-hmm. Who do they pay? They pay China. <laughs> They pay other countries. I mean, that's the only logical answer. If, well, well, we'll get to that. And yes, they do pay China in as much as we do business with China. Okay? We do business with China. We do business with all kinds of other countries. We are a net importer. Okay? Whenever, every time you buy a BMW, for example, you're buying a German car. There's a German company that is now getting money that an American company is not. You know, so now that now Germany is getting U.S. dollars. So now they have U.S. dollars. But again, this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves. I do want to get to that. This, but this conversation is leading to what the debt is. And I want to talk about that. We have to. But first, I want to talk about uh, what is, you know, money. What is so we so just we understand where we're all. It's such from. an all encompassing thing that it no matter is. what point you start at, you have you to sort it. of have. Right. You got to go back to the beginning. You got to be able to start at the beginning to be able to really understand and appreciate what all the other things are. What is the deficit? What is the debt? You know, if we're not supposed to be afraid of it, why aren't we going to be afraid of it? And this is why. Uh, 
First, you, you start off with the idea of Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Okay? Article 1, Section 8 clearly states that Congress, and only Congress, no other entity, but only Congress, shall create the dollar, shall set its value, meaning they're going to tell you exactly what one dollar is worth, and they will levy taxes. These three things have incredible impacts on our lives. First, they create the dollar. No one else can. If you, Jeff, try to create the dollar, you know, in a little printing press in your basement, if you get caught, that's counterfeiting. You're going to federal prison. They take that shit seriously. Uh, so no one else can create it. They do. And they have taken upon themselves the sole ability to do so. They are the monopoly issue of the dollar. I can't say that enough. It is that important. Second, they will tell you exactly how much a dollar is worth. When we used to be on a gold standard, as an example, the U.S. dollar was not the top of the economic food chain. Gold was the top of the economic food chain. So a dollar was going to be worth, say, as an example, 30 ounces of gold. You know? So they would have to be able to make sure that they only created as much money as they had gold reserves. So to keep the, the numbers simple, let's say they had $100 billion worth of gold. That mean, and they say that $1 is worth one pound of gold. So they can only have $100 billion in circulation. If they want to spend additionally to that, that becomes a problem because now they run into the problem of, well, what if everyone cashes in their money and is expecting gold in exchange? We don't have enough. If I only have 100 billion pounds of gold and I have 100 or 200 billion dollars in circulation, I better hope people don't start cashing that shit in because if they do, I'm in deep trouble because I can't meet my obligation that I had promised you. So in this particular situation, a dollar, I'll say, mm -hmm. is just an IOU so that people don't have to carry around heavy pieces of gold. So exactly. they, they, give out, they give out a dollar bill, which is yep. worth a dollar of gold, because mm -hmm. carrying a dollar bill, you can practically carry in your pocket and trade around without having to carry the solid exactly. metal around in your pocket. Yes. You know, so, that's, so that is really what the dollar you know, is under a gold standard. You know, so, but, the, but that doesn't change the reality. MMT still states that money is infinite. Doesn't, just because they impose a certain limitation on the dollar, saying that it is worth a certain amount of gold, does not mean that they could not print more. It would just if be worth less compared to the gold. Compared to. They would therefore devalue the dollar. If they, they would almost certainly do it proactively. If they realize they've got more money in circulation than they have gold reserves, they've got several options. First option is get more gold, acquire more gold, go to war and to the victor go the spoils, get more gold that way, buy more gold, borrow, do any number of things, or simply devalue the dollar. Well, I told you it was worth a pound of gold, well, now it's going to be worth half a pound. Sorry. You know. uh, but these are self-imposed limitations. The macroeconomic reality still is that the federal government can create as much money as it wants. Doesn't mean that they should. It just means that they can. Operationally speaking, they have no constraints, even under a gold standard. They are fools if they spend too much, but you know that is a self-imposed uh, restriction that they, many times in history, have removed. 
They removed it in World War II, for example, and then they removed it finally and forever in 1971. You know, and I say forever because they haven't changed back yet. You know, it's still an impose an imposition they can reinstate if they want. Uh, but that's still just the second aspect of what is in Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution. First, they create it, then they tell you how much it's worth, and then, and this is the second most important aspect, they levy taxes, and it's the tax that drives the currency. It is not the tax that allows for the spending. Okay, let's say let's say for example you don't have any U.S. dollars. You know, as an example, you know, but you still have needs. You still need food, shelter. You still need transportation, but you don't have any U.S. dollars for whatever reason you don't. You know, you don't have a job, you know, but you still need to be able to live. Uh, but you do have um, services. You're, you're an excellent carpenter. Man, you know how to fix a house. You know how to do this. You're a handyman. You are a renaissance man. So you go around and you say, look, ma'am, I need shelter. Can you let me stay here or, you know, let me, you know, do whatever and give me a house, whatever it is. I will give you my services. You, you, you rent me a room and I will pay you in terms of services. I will upkeep this house. I will make a new addition. I will put a second floor. I will build it. I'm your guy. And they say, fine, we'll do that. And then, well, you're still hungry, you know, but you still don't have any dollars. So... You know, you go to local farms and you say, look, I don't have any money to pay you, but man, you need a new fence, you know, and that barn is just depressing as hell to look at. And this is, you know, and you offer your services in exchange for food. And they say, yes, fantastic. And then you need transportation and you find someone who will give you a car if you will. You know, the idea is that you can barter for all these things. You don't need money for these things. It's just incredibly difficult to meet what's called the coincidence of need. That you find people that have what you need that also, in the same instance, need what you have. Right. That's a really, really, really hard threshold to meet for all your needs. But theoretically, but you, it's possible. Theoretically, it's possible. Theoretically, it's possible. But for one need, you still owe federal taxes. And they federal. own federal. Federal. federal taxes. And we'll get to that. You know, you still owe federal taxes, and they will only accept payment of those taxes in U.S. dollars. So now you're in the business of getting U.S. dollars. You need them. You are now fundamentally, from the federal government standpoint, unemployed. You know, so you're going to have to find a job that pays you in U.S. dollars. Again, if you just want to do work and they and you don't care in what denomination they pay you and they can pay you in pesos and if you're happy with that fair enough but you still don't have us dollars so when it comes time for taxes you're going to say well i've got pesos and they're going to say great exchange them for us dollars and come again but you better come soon because you're about to be you know default on your tax obligation and we're now going to impose a penalty okay and this is the deal it's the threat of penalty you need U.S. dollars because if you don't pay your federal taxes, you're going to be penalized. They will put you in prison. They will uh, garnish your wages. They will t seize your home, your car, all these things you worked hard for. This is why you need U.S. dollars. And since everyone is in the same business, everyone owes a tax obligation, everyone needs U.S. dollars, we can now also use this 
to exchange for other goods and services. I don't need to build you a house or fix up your house. I can just simply take the money that I have from my job and pay rent. I don't have to fix your barn. I can simply give you U.S. dollars that I earned at my job to get food. You know, but it's the need for the dollar that makes it valuable in the first place. So the reason for taxing is something that is still very difficult for me to get my mind around. Sure. I, I, get, I get the basic of it, but I don't mm -hmm. really have my mind around it because the pathway that that money goes, like you pay the sure. government taxes and then it results in whatever it results in, mm -hmm. sure. is really difficult to understand. And John Lawrence in his article from earlier today um, said it in a very interesting way that, that the government creates money just out of nothing. They just choose to. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's what they're uh, – now, now we're out of the gold standard now. Now we're talking about fiat. They just create money out of nothing. Yeah. And taxes are just destroying money into nothing, mm -hmm. which is a really hard concept. I mean, I mean, that makes sense. But as far as the whole cycle is very hard to grasp. So taxes destroy money. Uh, uh, then, then there, I don't know what the other side is called, but the creation of money is the other side of that. Yeah. Now – there is, they, they don't use it to pay for things. And I know I'm jumping all over the place, but this is just an enormous topic. So they don't use taxes to pay for things. They just use taxes to regulate the demand so that prices don't get in. There's no inflation. Well, that, so, that, that, that's number two. You know, that, that's, that, that's called a demand leakage. You know, well, the first thing to understand about inflation is that, you know, if, if we don't have a cataclysmic event, i.e. where we have a war on U.S. soil and, you know, our farming industry is decimated or our factories are decimated, basically we can't produce. Okay, so it's fine for the federal government to spend all kinds of money. People have jobs, you know, have got money, but we don't have any productive capacity. There's so they wouldn't tax them. They would stop taxing in that particular situation, I would assume. Well, yes. But again, the taxation is a separate issue when we're talking about the, the, the inflation from a uh, productive capacity. The production is destroyed. You know, we don't have enough bread, but everyone's got money. You know, okay. money is no good if there's no bread, if there's no goods and services. So, uh, so, so that, they... that's what happened in Weimar, Germany. They, did, they suffered from the uh, effects of World War I. Their productive capacity was destroyed. Uh, they were forced to pay reparations uh, as a result of the uh, Versailles Treaty. Uh, and that um, reparations had to be paid in a currency that was not theirs. They had to pay it in gold. They had to pay it in foreign currency. So they could print all the Deutschmarks that they want. You know, but they weren't able, you know, to hang on to it. They had to pay off uh, a huge debt in, in foreign currency and a productive capacity that was destroyed. So the citizenry didn't have, you know, enough money, didn't have enough goods and services. So they just keep printing money and keep printing money, but they don't fix the problem. You know, uh, and that problem so went away when Hitler took over and they stopped paying back the reparations. Okay, so taxes promote the currency itself. Yes. And they, the regu they regulate demand. And, yes. and it's still, it's, I, I, I know the concept, but it's, mm -hmm. as far as a, a, a rounded understanding of it, I'm pretty far away. But taxes regulate demand. So therefore, you tax somebody, they have a more difficult time buying what they need, which mm -hmm. is, if they have too much power buying what they need, then that's not a bad thing necessarily. 
And depends, then the opposite depends on what the production production capacity is. You, so people have a lot of money, but we have a lot of production capacity. Then that's fine. It's right. when our money outstrips our productive capacity. We've got too many dollars chasing too few goods. You know that is the limit of uh, domestic spending that the federal government should be able to hit. Once we have full employment and all our resources are put to maximum uh, productive capacity, everyone's got money. As soon as we exceed that, we keep spending, we keep spending, we keep spending, but our productive capacity can't match it, then we have uh, a potential inflationary uh, position. But then we can use taxation as an example to uh, suck back some of that demand. Everyone's so, got money, so we raise taxes to be able to reduce your income. But the, the, I mean, taxes, the tax laws don't change quickly. So it's not like they can very sensitively detect, you know, demand is going up for this and we can't handle that demand. So we're going to we're going to tweak the taxes. I think that that's the Federal Reserve interest rate, or at least that's the beginning of like how they more quickly deal with those kinds of things. But the other side of of taxing. So this mm -hmm. this huge GOP tax break. Yeah. If if taking taxes reduces demand and reduces the the purchasing power of the people that you're taxing. Yeah. Then the other side of it is, is if you give huge tax breaks to the wealthy or whoever yeah. you give the, if you give huge tax breaks to a part of the population, then you are, you are giving them more power to buy stuff. I mean, sure. it's not even really, it's, it's simplistic to say you're giving them more money so they can afford more stuff, but you're really just giving them I don't know if it's access to resources or whatever it is. It's power. It's power. It, it I think is, it boils down to power. Well, it, it is power. And depending upon who we're talking about, describes the kind of power we're talking about. Uh, so let's say, for example, we gave uh, all this money to the ultra wealthy. Oh, wait a minute. We actually did. Uh, we're talking about giving money to people that already have more money than King Midas could spend in a lifetime. Okay. So, what is the economic value of giving them even more? They're not going to spend on goods and services greater than they already are. They're not going to buy Access more to iPads. Capital. They're not going to, they're not going to buy more cars. They're not going to go on more vac vacations. You know, they're not going to be buying goods and services in greater amounts than they already are. They've already maxed out all their wants and needs. The only thing they're going to do now is buy back stocks, you know, they're going to be buying more uh, bonds, which is increasing our debt, you know, but we'll, we'll talk about debt in a second. You know, it's basically corporate welfare. They will find ways to take that money and make more money off of it. They're Investing, not going to which be. Which doesn't help the society. It does not. It helps Wall Street. So when they talk about, you know, all oh, the Wall Street, you know, the Dow Jones just went up to uh, a gazillion. Who the hell cares? That is not the real economy. That is telling me that the Koch brothers are doing really well, you know, that Apple Corps is doing really well, but I'm not doing any better. Right. It doesn't matter to me. So if you take the money that you gave to them and you give it to everyone else, now you're actually doing something to help not only the individuals, but also the economy. The economy runs on sales. You need sales to have GDP, gross domestic product. You need sales. People need to be going out and buying things. This is a you know, consumer economy, so consumers are going to need to have enough money to you know, consume. 
So if they if they if they give tax breaks to the wealthy and they gave, mm-hmm. you know, much smaller tax breaks to everybody else and they're going to expire in 7 to 10 years, but those are permanent, yeah. the huge tax breaks to the wealthy. And yeah. so if taxes are to regulate demand, access to resources has been just said thank you that they don't feed back into the con- the economy. They they feed back into their own ecosystem of investing and so on. Mm-hmm. So so the general public, the 99%, have less purchasing power. Yeah. They have enormous purchasing power, which they don't choose to use. Mm-hmm. So that's not a regulating demand thing at all because it makes it more difficult for – I mean, it is in, in, a, in a very sinister way. But like, it, 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 there's, a, there's a consequence to that, that, that the, the 99% have less purchasing power, less demand, and so therefore the businesses have less – uh, need to give because mm-hmm. no one's buying from them at all which also leads into the first off you know it is you know regulating demand you know just because you know we say we regulate demand we doesn't mean it always happens in a good way right you know? yeah uh, exactly you know so when i when i tell people that i don't like the tax you know cut that just happened you know most people will say it's because it blows a hole in the deficit you know, one and a half trillion dollars in the deficit, and it's unsustainable. It is burdening our children. It is not. The deficit is simply the amount that the federal government spends into the economy minus how much it taxes back. On a but year, you, I guess a yearly basis. Yes, but you must separate those two things because taxes do not fund federal spending. I'll show you exactly why that is. If they can create as much money as they need to, and they must create it and spend it into the economy first before they can tax, how can they possibly tax if no one has any U.S. dollars? I create the dollar, for example, okay? And I am the U.S. government, and I am now telling you that you owe me money. You owe me money. You say, well, okay, fine, I owe you money. Yeah, and you better pay it up or I'm going to throw you in prison. i got a whole army back here that's going to make sure that happens. Like, oh, whoa, oh, okay, fine, fine. I take you seriously now. I owe you a tax. You know, so here. You know, no, man, I only accept it in U.S. dollars. Well, what the hell is a U.S. dollar? You know, U.S. dollar is what I create. I create the U.S. dollar. You know, but don't worry. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the U.S. dollar. But you know what? I'm the federal government, and I need things. I need buildings. I need furniture. I need rugs. I need provisions. I've got an army that I've got to supply. I need all these things. Why don't you work for me? Okay? You build me these things. You create these things. I'll pay you in U.S. dollars. And now you'll have the money to be able to satisfy your tax obligation. So you're a corporation. I, I need your services. I'm going to, you know, you have a $1,000 tax obligation. So I'm going to employ you to provision me, and I'm going to pay you, in U.S. dollars, $20,000. You know, now, not only do you have the money to be able to provision yourself, but you now also have the tax credits, U.S. dollars, that's basically what they are, tax credits, to be able to pay me the taxes. This is how it happens. You have to understand the way it works. The spending happens first. There's no way so- if the federal government creates the money there's no way we should be we could tax first before we can pay for things we always have to pay for it first before we can tax so so i think you just said that 
and this gets into the mechanics of the Treasury and the Federal Reserve and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So when the federal, when the Congress creates mm -hmm. money, they don't just create it in a bank account. They create it for a particular purpose. It actually goes to some purpose immediately, and that's how it circulates through the economy, and then it returns yeah. through taxes. Well, I mean, technically, it starts off with the Treasury. Congress, you know, writes a bill, you know, whether it be an appropriations bill or whatever. Let's say, for example, they wanted to uh, spend for Medicare for All, and let's just say it's going to cost a trillion dollars. You know, they know exactly how they're going to do it. They know who is going to be getting the money. Uh, they, they know how it's going to go. It's in the bill. So Congress does the bill, the president signs it, and in the signing, the, the Treasury now creates the money, and now sits in the Treasury, and the Treasury will uh, tell the Federal Reserve, which is the nation's bank, I need you to credit these accounts. You know, these go into are the spreadsheet. accounts. You know, yeah. You know, and now, let's say, for example, one of the things we have to do is we got to build more hospitals. If we're going to service everyone in the country for everything, yeah, we need more hospitals. Okay, that means we're going to need to pay uh, construction crews. You know, so let's say X, Y, and Z construction company is going to spearhead the building of three new hospitals in New York City. All right, uh, they got the contract; they're going to do it. So the Treasury now has the money. It goes into the Federal Reserve. They put up their reserves. And this construction company has an account at Chase, uh, at Chase Morgan. Chase Morgan has an account at the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve, the, the bank of the federal government, tells Chase Morgan, credit the account of construction company XYZ, and now uh, XYZ now has that money. That's can how I, it works. I, it filters down. Can I, re, can I review that and see that I'm correct? Sure. So mm -hmm. Congress creates a bill, and for however experts they talk to, they determine that doing this requires this many resources, this is how much it's going to cost, and they, uh, they, I just, they I just try and... I just want to interrupt for one second. I see a comment here, Andrew Garland. So basically government takeover of industries is the way to keep costs down. Uh, not exactly. First off, it's not a government takeover of anything. The government is simply paying. That's it. Uh, construction company XYZ does not work for the government. You know, if we're doing Medicare for all, you know, doctors don't work for the government. Hospitals don't work for the government. You know, no one is working for the government unless you, you know, work in government. You know, but the government is paying for it. Which turns government. the government into an insurance industry in the case of Medicare for all. Essentially, yes. You know, but and also, you know, the financier of the construction that needs to happen. You know, the financier of, you know, any educational costs that have to happen in order to be able to train the doctors, you know, the government is paying for it. And how are they paying for it? Keystrokes. You know, right. it's a fiat currency. They create it at will. They simply decide that this is important. And, and, and for anyone that thinks this is a government takeover, this is how it works for war. This is how it works across the board. Every time the federal government spends, it's creating new money. This is not a government takeover of anything, but this is, in the case of Medicare for All, government saying, you know, private insurance, thank you very much. You know, thank you for your disservice to the country. Uh, you know, we will help you retool. We will so, help you to go into new businesses. We will help you in the way that we didn't help the Rust Belt when we had NAFTA. So you know, in the, we will in, help you. In the case of, the, in the case of 
uh, Medicare for all and the medical insurance industry, that is an unjust industry that, that from our point of view, we are choosing to take over. We're choosing to take over the medical insurance industry. We're not choosing to take over doctors or hospitals or anything exactly. like that. We're just choosing to take over the payment, the, mm -hmm. de the payments and the decisions, which in the case of Medicare for all is pretty much yeah. the decision is always yes. Yeah. But so I'm going to get and Rocco gonna... also makes another good point. All paid employment comes from federal spending, which is absolutely correct. You know, every every dollar you have, Jeff, every dollar that I have was created by the U.S. government, was created by spending, by federal spending. There's no other place it could have come from. It didn't come from a corporation. The corporation got it from the government, either directly or indirectly. There's not a single dollar that is either existing as a one or a zero in your bank account or as paper money in your wallet that didn't come from the federal government originally. That's, uh, that's the way it works. Much of it through from a uh, paycheck. From, well, uh, like, what, you're, well, someone's, as we say in MMT, someone's uh, spending is someone else's income. You know, right. you can, and, and anyone can see that. If I go into a store and I buy something, I spend something. And that becomes, from the store's perspective, income. You know, and, you know, that store, if they didn't create it itself, if it imported from somewhere else, they had to, you know, uh, come up with the money to buy in the first place. Every time someone spends, someone is getting income. So when we say that a deficit is bad, I say, no, it's not bad. It's neither good nor bad. It simply is. What matters is where we spent the money. You know, the tax break is not good or bad. It is bad because of where it went. You know, it's it's not helping the economy. It's not helping the people. Okay, it's so helping a I, very I, small portion. I'd like I'd like to try and do this summary and see if I'm right here. So the okay, so the ahead. Congress, the Congress decides Medicare for all. We we need Medicare for all. This is how much it's going to cost. We've spoken to experts. Uh, we're going to mm -hmm. you know do a just transition for all the employees in this unjust yeah. industry. And and so here's the bill. Uh, H.R. 676, and uh, so signed, uh, passed, signed by the president, and now it's law. We all have Medicare for all. So that triggers the Treasury to create however much it costs, $300 mm -hmm. mil billion dollars for the first okay. year. And the Treasury is not a bank. They just give an instruction to the national Federal Reserve. Yeah. The Federal Reserve goes into their spreadsheet for whatever banks the uh, hospital building companies are, are at. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so for Wells Fargo, this, this particular company has an account at uh, Wells Fargo. So the, the, the Federal Reserve goes into a spreadsheet, changes the, Nash, the New York Reserve sure. to yeah. increase their amount so that that filters down to Wells Fargo, which filters down to the construction company. Yeah, uh, now they are so, paid. So Treasury gives an instruction to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve just goes into a spreadsheet for whatever, I'm just going to say state, just for generally speaking, the state reserve that they know that. So a company has a, uh, an account at Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo, uh, their bank is the New York Reserve. The New York Reserve is the Federal Reserve. I think I'm close anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that filters down because the, the government knows that X, Y, and Z contractors have particular accounts at particular banks around the country. And so they just give instructions for 300 billion to be chopped up and to be given to the contractors as decided in this bill. Yeah. Um, and and it, there's, there's one important step, you know, the federal reserve, you know, 
must also create the reserve. So if the Treasury is going to uh, give you, you know, uh, Jeff, if, if you're uh, getting money, you know, and you're going to get $10,000, the Treasury is going to instruct the Federal Reserve, who will first put in $10,000 in reserve, and then will also, you know, give that to, uh, to the bank to give to you. There always must be reserves, you know, I, that just to no, make, that can, to, to, to make sure that all, to make sure that all the, the payments clear, you know, to make sure that the payments clear, the federal reserve must also create the reserves. Uh, so Susan the, the says treasury... I'm spot on. I like you, Susan. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the treasury, you know, tells the federal reserve, you know, credit this account, the federal reserve would do that, but they will also create reserves at the federal reserve in equal amounts. But doesn't that just, so, isn't that, isn't that part of just the, the increasing the number for that particular? It, it is. It, it's, it's all just data entry, you know, but because the reserves don't ever leave the federal reserve, it's just a means of making sure that the payments clear whenever you swipe a debit card or write a check, you know, the reserves have to be have to exist at the Federal Reserve to make sure that the payment's clear. The, That's I, it. I, I think that that was part of what I said. I think that, I, I that may have missed it. it. Okay, I, I may I, have missed it then. Yeah. But but it boils down to the, these mechanics of the Treasury, the Federal Reserve, State Reserve, and then Wells Fargo Bank, and then the contractor. I mean, that's that's very confusing. But mm -hmm. it boils down to these 12 contractors around the country have promised to build a hospital to create a computer yeah. system, whatever, to do these particular mm -hmm. things. So this company gets 300 million, this company gets 5 million, this company gets a few hundred thousand. That's what it boils down to. But yes. the mechanics are treasury, federal reserve, state reserves, banks, and then the contractors. Exactly. Okay. It's the same thing. Right. It's the same thing if we wanted to uh, do a debt-free college, you know, uh, from now on, all state co colleges are free, you know, and all you got to do is simply apply. The college accepts you. Uh, you now apply for the, the grant. It's no longer a loan. It's a grant. Uh, and the Treasury, you know, will uh, do the same thing to the Federal Reserve, mark up the reserves down the pipeline into the bank that the college in question does business with. They are paid. You go to school. And that's interesting because I didn't think of it from this point of view. In the Medicare for All situation, they're eliminating the medical insurance industry because it's an unjust industry. They're yes. choosing to do that. We're cho that's yes. a choice that it's, we have made, not it is, because it's... It's an immoral system, yes. Right. Doctors are not immoral. The hospitals are not immoral. We're not taking over them. They're doing just fine. But mm -hmm. so we're, that's, that gets away. That's the taking over. The government takes over. Well, I mean, we only well, take yeah, over what we yeah. want to take over because we choose that... They deserve to be taken over. They deserve to not exist. But but with colleges, free college is different because that's not an unjust industry. So no, and and we're but, not taking it over either. Correct. We're, we're just paying, paying them. them. Yeah. But but now that's interesting. I had not thought of this before. Currently, we pay colleges. They tell us what it costs. Mm -hmm. But if it's free college, now the government is paying. And now the colleges have to tell the government what to pay. And now there's sure. a negotiation. So sure. they actually lose some because now they're not negotiating with the government. That is a choice. That is not a macroeconomic reality. But, but, I, but they are going to negotiate with their customers. Sure. The cust yeah, and since it's such a bulk customer now, since mm -hmm. it's such a huge, enormous, it's the only customer, at least yeah. significant, 
now they have buying now they have purchasing power or whatever it's called the power to negotiate a lower price now it's going to be mm -hmm. fair it's not they're not you know the government's not going to say i'm only going to pay you a buck per class but that i just hadn't thought of i hadn't thought of that it's like medicare negotiating uh drug prices that mm -hmm. that the drug the pharmaceutical companies don't just want enough they want to squeeze everything. blood from they a stone everything exactly right you know, and, but, but, and but it, here's the thing, you, know, you, you, you talk about the insurance company, we have to, you have to take them over because they're unjust. Uh, I would use the word immoral. Uh, the pharmaceutical companies are acting in an immoral fashion. Many hospitals are acting in an immoral fashion. You know, more and more doctors are acting in an immoral fashion because we have a system that rewards profit, that rewards... Well, yeah, uh, I mean, they're put in a position... Exactly. You know, so we're not going to take over hospitals or doctors or the pharmaceutical companies. We are simply going to tell them how much it's going to, to cost. We will negotiate. Uh, well, I mean, it's going to go down however it goes down. You know, the government can Lyle here hard says, or they, or they could roll over. You know? Lyle here yeah, says, I no, say the government, tell, yeah, government tells the college what it will pay. I mean, yes, that's true, but that, that yeah. is the negotiation. I mean, yes. that is the negotiation. The college will say, well, screw yes. you. I'm not going to hold the classes then. So it, it is a negotiation, mm -hmm. even though it's, you know, the government has significant it's power. Oh, I'm sorry. This is what it's going to cost. This is what we pay you. Here. Uh, Oh, I, I lost you for the last like 30 seconds. So whatever you oh, were saying. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'll say it again. Uh, you know, it's, it, the negotiation will be however the negotiation is. If the government wants to play hardball and say, this is how much we're going to pay you and that's it. And there's nothing you can do, uh, you can do about it. Uh, then, you know, that'll be the way it is. The college can say no, they can, they can play their own version of hardball. I suspect that if that's the way it goes down, government is going to win. You know, because government can outbid anyone. They create the currency. I don't care how right, rich but you they, are. Correct. Yeah, but I mean, the college has some power, certainly more power than an individual. Um, actually, you're frozen. To, if people could tell me in the audience, if people could tell me in the audience, is Jeff or I, him Jeff or me Jeff, frozen? And if he is, then I can just delete him I'm and immediately re-add him. You see yourself? I'm moving. All right, so people in the audience, if you, if you, you know, if any of us are frozen or whatever, I see Jeff frozen on I am moving, um, but I hear you fine out? though. I hear you fine okay. though. So All keep right, going unless we get some comments. All right. Uh, so so again, the negotiation is going to be what it is. It doesn't change the macroeconomic reality. You know, the federal government is going to be the one that pays the bills. And the thing is, is that they can be incredibly generous. In my opinion, you know, just like th these things are choices. We choose. What is important right now? We're choosing Wall Street. We're choosing the military industrial complex. We think they are important. Uh, so we give them whatever, you know, we can simply say, you know, that we also think that education is incredibly important. You know, we also say that you know, Medicare for all is incredibly important. We say that green energy is majorly important. You know, we make decisions. 
We make choices. And the federal government, in making the decision about what is important and what is not, can also choose how much they are going to uh, compensate people. You know, no one is saying that a doctor you know, needs to earn less because money doesn't matter to the federal government that creates as much of it as it needs. If we want to say that all doctors everywhere, regardless of specialty, is going to make $10 million a year, I'm not saying we should say that, but I'm saying you put a number to it, the federal government can do that. The question becomes, is that fair? Is it just? Is it creating an inflationary uh, pressure? Uh, that's the only things that matter. It never matters how much it actually costs. It only matters, do we have the resources to do it? Is it fair? Is it just? That's it. All these things about we can't afford it, that's bullshit. We can afford anything and everything. What we can't do is maybe do everything all at once because it may place too much uh, pressure on our resources. But that's the question. That is the conversation to have. So afford. So afford. The term afford afford is bullshit on the federal level. Yes, on, on the, the state level, level, on the municipal level, on on the household level, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so, what what this lie is, is equating the federal level with every other level because yeah. you can sen- the household can sense, uh, I can't pay my bills, and now here comes the uh, the people who make you pay your bills. I can't recall the term, mm-hmm. but there's debt collectors. Um, but actually, so on the federal level, I mean, what's, what's a debt collector mean? That's a war, starting a war, I guess. I mean, that, well, but paying, I understand paying a debt makes no sense. But, but actually, this is a question I wanted to ask you. You try and avoid inflation on the domestic level, right? Sure, that's, that's a goal. the primary point of taxing, and, and, and uh, taxing destroys money. Spending creates money or mm-hmm. on the federal level on the federal level yes and so domestically the goal is to, to negotiate not negotiate but to, to deal with demand and to prevent inflation which is i guess the same thing mm-hmm. what about on a Here, global here's, level? He, sure okay no well answer answer what you were going to say first but my ultimate well, question I, I, is i want to i want to put it in different terms you know so that we can understand you know they always say that we need to balance the budget you know on a federal level if we uh, tax back the same amount that we spent in. That's a zero-sum game. We did not add any net financial assets into the economy. You know, but that's, that's a balanced budget. You know, that's what it would be for you as a household. That's what it would be for a corporation. You need to be able to uh, stabilize your expenditures versus your income. Right? Uh, on a federal level, that makes no sense because the federal government creates the money. It can never run out of money. It, can, it, it neither has nor does not have money. It creates as much as it needs every time it spends. It has so it money, but it's meaningless. Well, it, I mean, again, it, it's, it's, to, to say that it has money is to create a, a picture in your head that there's a back room somewhere that has an unlimited supply of money and it simply is drawing I mean, upon that. It's, it's magic. Simply, At the federal level, it's magic. It's just Yes, it creates the money. It creates the money out of thin air, out of nothing, you know, which, and it can do that infinitely. From an operational standpoint, it can do it infinitely. There are limitations. It's inflation. But from an operational standpoint, it is infinite. So what I say is don't be a fool. 
Don't balance the budget, balance the economy. How is the economy doing, the real economy? Do people have jobs? Are they good jobs? Are they good paying jobs? We have the capacity to make sure that not only are people doing work, but that they're also doing fulfilling work. We can create a federal jobs guarantee. Everyone that wants to work can work. And the federal government can be, is in direct control of that. There is so much policy space that we have available to us to create full employment. And it's not up to the private sector. It's up to the federal government to put enough money out there to make sure that there is money for people to spend. That's how jobs are created. Jobs are not created by simply giving tax breaks to oligarchs in the hopes that they will suddenly decide that, oh, I'm now going to invest in my business because I have all this extra money. They already had the money to invest in their business, but they're not going to do it. Why? Because they know that the people down at the bottom don't have the disposable income. They're not going to be buying anything more. Just because you build a factory, do you think that means I'm going to start buying your shit? I didn't have money to buy it before. I don't suddenly have it because you built a factory. You know, there's just no so, way. It comes from the bottom up. It's run by sales. Give people okay. money to spend and they will do so. All right. Only if they're so, economically secure. Okay. Um, so I wanted to ask, on a domestic level, the mm -hmm. goal is to manage demand, yeah. prevent and therefore which is a tool for preventing inflation. Yeah. The ultimate goal is preventing inflation so that people can afford a loaf of bread and it's not a thousand dollars. Sure. And, but what about on a, what, I mean, I know that there's no debt because that doesn't make sense because money is magic on a federal mm -hmm. level. On Only a federal at level. a federal level, money yes. is just, is magic. So to say that we are $14 trillion in debt just is nonsensical. It just doesn't make sense. But there is something, there is clearly, there has to be something that they are trying to negotiate or balance or whatever it is on a global level. Well, right? Even, even, even on the domestic level, you, you were talking about, we were talking about power. And I'll talk about the global section in just a moment. You know, but one would ask, why would a politician do this? Why would a politician say that we're going to, that we are broke? Barack Obama said it. We are broke. You know, he was asked if the federal government is running out of money. He Which said, is we just are as broke. nonsensical. Wow. It's completely. It's completely bullshit. You know, and, and, and a and, Democratic and he, president he, said that. And he you knows know? it's bullshit. I mean, he he's knows a smart bullshit. dude. He knows it's bullshit. You know, wow. And you, everyone in Congress that says we have to balance the budget, the deficit is unsustainable, the debt is burdening our children, as soon as they... I, would, I always say, if you're running for Congress and you, you spew that level of shit, I will give you the benefit of the doubt that you don't actually know what you're talking about. Uh, because you were, le you were fed the same lies that I was fed you know, for almost my entire life. I thought we had to tax the hell out of the rich in order to get uh, Medicare for all. We don't. The federal wow. government simply needs to decide to do it and then tax the rich because they've got so much money that they've run out of things to buy. So now they're buying people. They're buying Congress. They're buying our democracy. They have enough money to be able to buy things that no one should be able to buy. And the only way to stop them is to, I'm sorry, take their money. 
Jesse Ventura put it put it best. There was a time when we actually, instead of talking about a minimum wage, we should maybe talk about a maximum wage. You know, you can only earn so much because beyond this point, you're in a position to do a lot of damage to our economy, a lot that, of damage to our democracy. That's the most disappointing thing I've heard about Barack Obama. I hear people, mm -hmm. you know, Trump, some people would say, or at least they became aware. And, you know, it's like everything bad started with Trump. No, long and, before Trump. No, just Trump puts an ugly Trump puts an uh, Trump puts an ugly face on what's been going on for a long time. I mean, beyond setting aside the racism and stuff like that, mm -hmm. Trump puts an ugly face on what's been happening for a long time. And Barack yeah. Obama saying he's a, he's a symptom. And saying Barack Obama saying we are running out of money. Wow, that's like the most disappointing thing I've heard about him. That he knows he mm -hmm. knows that he is lying. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's misunderstanding. When you're at that level, when you not have when the advisors and that, when you have the advisors and the resource, uh, not resources, but uh, access to information and people and experts, you mm -hmm. you know what you're saying. So why is he saying that? Why is he saying that? Why are the all same, these people the saying the debt and the deficit? And and here's here's what it is from from my perspective, because it's not about money. At the federal level, nothing is ever about money. Everything is about power. You know. So, you know, I've, I've heard someone ask me once, well, why would someone spend that much money to be able to get a job that only pays a couple of hundred grand a year? You know, because it's not about the money. It's not about the money. It is about the power. It's what money you're going is a tool to for do. Power. Money is a tool for power. You know, at a certain point, you get addicted to getting money, you know, but eventually what you become addicted to is power. It's not so much getting the money as much as what you can do with that money. And like I said before, if you give it to the 1%, they don't buy more shit. They simply buy back stocks. They use this money to create more money, which creates more power, which creates more influence. And that's what they're looking for. You know, they are absolutely, positively looking to be able to control everything, to have everything. That's their goal. And but so it's when, not when just it's not just accumulating power it, 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 in order like they have enough power as it is. They no, want not to, according to them. But I, I think but I think there's an element of not just give me power, but take away power from those who might take some from me well, in that's, the future. That, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. You know, so when we're talking about how do we get here, the same thing with the with the whole issue of guns, it's never going to be a simple solution. Anyone that looks for simple solutions is going to be chasing their own tail forever. And that exercise has a body count to the tune of 45,000 people that die every year due to lack of access to health care. 220,000 people on average every year that oh, die so due to uh, medical errors that are the direct result of a for-profit system. So you have to start thinking bigger then what the situation is, you got to look back in history and figure out where did this start? This started in so, the 1970s with the stagnation of wages. You know, so GDP goes up, our wages go down. As our wages go down, as the unions get busted, starting with the 1980s with Ronald Reagan, we start feeling an economic squeeze. We start feeling an economic unease. We are no longer comfortable. We know that at any moment, the bottom can drop out. You know, they have got us chasing our own tails. They've got us pointing fingers at each other. 
You know, be thankful. Be thankful for what you have and don't ask for more because if you do, I'll fire your ass and I'll hire someone for half the amount of money and they'll take it because they need it. They've got so, us desperate and making sure that we don't ask for more and more and more. And they don't do it all at once. It's the turtle in the boiling water. You throw a, you get boiling water, you throw, a, you throw a frog in and the frog jumps right out. You put the frog in cold water, slowly get the heat up. And before yeah. you know it, you're going to be eating frog stew. You know, this is the way they do it. And they've been, they've been playing the long game. They've been doing it for a long time. There's a reason why education is shitty. There is a reason why Medicare is so expensive. There is a reason for all these you, things. You brought up that, or didn't bring it up, but you made me think of this, is that Medicare for all is not just because it's right. It's because it would empower people. It would yes. stop people from feeling from being, not feeling, being trapped, not just yeah. being trapped in a job so they have to keep their job in order to, you know, they have to stay in a bad job in order to just survive. It's more exactly. than that. It's more exactly. than that. It is for people that want to run for office and take over that spot. And they can't they do can't it. can't leave their job they can't because do it. they can't, can't afford it. it without Medicare for all. They can't leave their job and go for that spot. Yeah. So this is more than just what's right for the people. This empowers the people. Which they this don't empowers, want. Which they don't want. It, which it is really, endangers them. And it's really hard to put on the, the 1% or whatever it is, the, the, the big donors and, the, and their employees in Congress, yep. this sinisterness. Mm -hmm. But whether it's intended to be sinister or not, it is resulting in, from our point of view, what is really appropriate to call sinister. And, you know, they're doing the best that they can, but they've chosen to be in a system where they have to serve private funded, private interests. They have well, to serve private interests. Chosen is, is a relative term. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, but, but here's the thing. You know, one of the other things no. is that they don't, they don't want to have you know, uh, full employment, why they don't want to have you know, us having you know, Medicare that we have to pay for and college education if we want it. You know, if, if we are able to, as an example, to pay for the things that we want out of our paycheck, if we're able to pay for it out of our paycheck and we don't have to grab for a credit card every time we want to do something as simple as buy groceries, then we have power and the banks and Wall Street don't. Because the difference between private debt and government debt is the difference between planet Earth and outer space. You know, it's, it's, it's just fundamentally different. A, a government with a fiat currency, as the United States government is, it is, their U.S. dollar is not backed by anything. It is not backed by gold, by paper clips, by turtles. It's not backed by anything. It is a free-floating fiat currency. It can never be unable to pay its bills. It can never be forced into insolvency unless it chooses to do so. It can never, ever, ever, ever run out of money. Whatever it chooses to pay for, it will pay for. It's not running out of money. It doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even make sense. sense. It can't make sense. However, we do still float bonds. We do still 
issue debt. That is a self-imposed restriction of Congress. Congress demands that if we deficit spend, if we spend more than we expect to get in taxation, we have to float a bond. That is a creature of the gold standard. Can you define floating a bond? uh, Selling a bond. You know, I call it floating a bond, you call it selling a bond. Let's say, for example, we're going to deficit spend a trillion dollars this year. Okay? Uh, And Congress demands that the books must balance. You know, if we're only going to be spending a trillion dollars, but we're only going to take in 500 billion in taxation, that's 500 billion left over. You know, they want the books to balance, so we have to borrow money. So we sell bonds. We go to the bond markets and we say, we've got $500 billion here of U.S. And then, debt. Who and I could, buy a 50, I could buy a $50 bond, which Absolutely. will mature in 10 years for Absolutely. And 5% or whatever it is. Yeah, you'll turn that over to a okay. T-bill and you will get interest. So just briefly, can, do this. So just briefly, briefly, can you talk about the mechanics of how does Congress decide to float a bond? How does that work its way towards a person actually can go to their bank or whatever it is and actually mm-hmm. purchase a bond. Okay. Well, let's, let's first start off by why do we, why do we ever borrow? Okay. Uh, if we had a gold standard, you know, uh, we have to be able to defend the gold reserves. We only have a trillion dollars worth of gold. We have to make sure that we don't outsupply, you know, the money uh, in excess of our gold reserves. So if we're going to deficit spend, and that would result in there being more money out there in the supply than we actually have in gold, uh, one of the things we can do you know, would be to sell a bond. Okay? So we would say we now have, let's say we need to sell $500 billion of bonds. Who wants to buy our debt? So people that want to be able to save in U.S. dollars, individuals, corporations, countries you know, that have U.S. dollars that want to be able to, instead of having it sit in a checking account that doesn't earn anything, we'll transfer it over to the treasury, issue a T-bill, so and we'll China give you... can buy China, bonds. China buys bonds. You know, other countries buy bonds. You buy bonds. I buy bonds. You know, anyone can simply go to their bank, their financial institution, and say, I want to buy a bond. You know, and they'll check the bond market, see what's available. You want to buy that much? Boom, it's done. You know, your money that used to sit in your checking account doing nothing is now sitting in a savings account at the at the Treasury earning you interest. And now, it's now, a now, safe investment. But money is a magic on the federal level. So what does yes. that mean that – Well, it changes now that we're no longer on a gold standard. When we're on a gold standard, yes, you had to be able to pay that money back. We were utilizing that money to pay for things because we had to make sure that we had a consistent – money supply in, uh, to match our gold reserves. So yes, we would use some taxation to be able to fund certain things. We would sell a bond to be able to pay for things to make sure that things are equal. But once we no longer have a gold standard, we are free. We are free, but we still sell bonds. We still issue debt, but so it is the, not debt as it would be to you or me. It so is, a bond on the federal level is sort of like taxes that it destroys money, but it's just a guarantee that we have already basically written a bill or made a decision as Congress mm-hmm. that we will pay you 10 years from now this amount of money. Yeah, and the only it, gamble it, it is that the country still exists. Yeah, 
from a purely operational standpoint, taxes are destroyed. You know, they are absolutely fundamentally unnecessary for the purposes of funding anything, as they were back in the gold standard, unless we deficit spend, in which case we can use some of that extra, you know, that tax money to be able to put it back into the economy. Ergo, there's still the same amount of dollars in the economy. But with a fiat currency, taxes are just destroyed. They're absolutely and fundamentally unnecessary. And bonds are simply existing dollars that we've already spent. We already spent it in the economy. It filtered its way down to you. You now have it. And you have a choice. Do you want to spend it? Do you want to save it? Oh, you want to save it's voluntary it? taxes. That's what it is. It's voluntary taxes. Exactly. It's voluntary it's taxes with a little bit of payoff 10 years from now. So yeah. they do. I mean, logically, it's, it's just it's logical a, it's a, it's that it does. Leakage. Yeah. It does destroy that, that money, but they've already it made a decision to spend in advance. Yeah. So, okay, I, I think yeah. I understand that. It's, it's two, it's, 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 they're both a demand leakages. Taxes are a demand leakage. Bonds are demand leakages. We want to be able to help control inflation. We're actually, say we're at full employment and we're still deficit spending and we don't think we can push our productive capacity. We're running into a potentially inflationary period. Let's, you know, get some taxation down there. We'll impose a tax. We will, you know, suck back some demand that way, or we'll float some bonds like we did in World War II. We sold war bonds to be able to suck demand out. But taxes actually destroys the, 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 the money. Selling bonds simply transfers it from one account to another. We hold on to it for a period of years. And then later on... We'll but holding on to it means just we don't change those numbers. That's all it exactly. is. Exactly, exactly. And in a fiat currency, we don't have to pay in back that money, you know, because we're not spending that money. Even if we did, if, even if we did find a way or a reason to be able to spend the bond money, it's a fiat currency. We simply put it back, you know. It, you know, when they say that we're raiding the Social Security. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. You know, so, go ahead, know, finish, and then I. That we are absolutely positively not in danger of bankrupting Social Security. Social Security is a program. It is a choice. It'll be fully funded every time they write the checks. You know? And if they want to increase the amount that they pay, they increase the amount they pay. They want to give senior citizens a pay raise. It's done. All they got to do is decide to do it. We tell them that they pay into it in the modern era to make you feel good to make you feel like you're invested in it. But it's not your taxes that are going to it. We pay you based upon how long it's you were in the system. Okay, I, I, I think I get a couple of important things now. Bonds and even Social Security and other sort of taxes like that. This is a way, so, so simplistically, Congress creates money, mm -hmm. spends it like through the yep. Medicare for All thing that goes to contractors to do specific things within that bill. And then taxes are the other side. So creating money, spending is creation of money on a, just a federal level. Spending mm -hmm. is creation of money. And then the other side is taxes is destroying of money. And they, yeah. ne they negotiate this to, to balance demand and supply and, and avoid inflation. Yeah. Bonds and Social Security are the same thing, just delayed over time. So, so bonds give the government flexibility that so I, I buy a $50 bond they go into their spreadsheet for Jeff Epstein and say I'm gonna raise this amount by 50 bucks now Congress has that $50 not money but just they don't have to create a bill to create that money 
So they've Besides, already and it created it in advance. And same with Social Security. So you keep on incrementing the account for for Melba for her Social Security 60 years from now. They've already created that bill whenever Social Security was created by FDR or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So they created that spending at that time. They made a decision to do future yep. spending within the con confines of that bill. Yep. So that Social Security forever, people will increase their own accounts so that when they become 65 or 95, yeah. if, you know, seems like, that, that they can then withdraw that money and that Congress doesn't have to go through the rigmarole of creating a bill in order to create those funds. They already did that and this years is, ago. And this is why you will always hear all, all the, uh, all the, um, the politicians that say that you know, we're going to have to deal with Social Security. It's going bankrupt. It's not, folks. It's going bankrupt, and you know we're going to have to be able to make some changes and reduce the amount of money, you know, so that you know future generations, future generations, will have to learn to deal with less. Well, but you people that are that are voting now, that are existing now, you guys are fine. Every time they talk about it, the people that are currently receiving benefits, you guys are fine. Why? Because you're alive now and you're voting now. They're not okay. going to risk your votes. Couple things. First of all, Lynn. First of all, Lynn is. I like Lynn. Number two is because she said like she's witnessing me like becoming whatever. Uh, but Mark said something important. He says not Social Security. Nothing is held. But I actually think, if I'm understanding this, the only thing that's held is they increase the numbers for those people in whatever level of whether it's the bank or the state treasury or state uh, reserve or the federal reserve. Those numbers are increased for all those people. They keep track of how much Social I, I Security people saying. have earned. They're, they're keeping track of how much is, is paid in, perhaps, but it's, you know, FICA tax is just a tax. It doesn't go to a special place, you know. It's just a tax. It's there to but make from my, good. But from my point of view, it does go to mm -hmm. a special place. Because we're told that that's what happens. You know, the same, in the same way that we're told that the federal government is like a household and it can only spend within its limits, you know, we're also told that, you know, FICA, you know, goes towards your Social Security. You're paying into it. That's why that's why Social Security is not an entitlement. I'm paying into it. Social Security right. is not an entitlement. It's not paid into. It is so a it's, choice. It is a value choice that says we are going to take care of seniors. That's all it is. A bond is money taken from you or you that you give and we don't touch it for X amount of time. We don't spend it. We don't right. touch it. Social Security is money we take from you, destroy, thank you very much, it's, we know how long you've been in the system, and then when it comes time to retire, we know how much to give you. It's, it's exactly the same thing. It's just outsourcing that, keeping track of that spreadsheet. Yeah, in the, in the case of Social Security, bonds yeah. are, I guess, the Treasury, whatever, Federal Reserve, keeps track of those bonds in their own spreadsheet. Social yeah. Security, they just created, I guess, a Social Security Administration to keep track of those numbers, but it's the same thing. They've just outsourced that spreadsheet yes as long as, we understand, as long as we understand that social security is not like a bond where we take your money and put it in a place earning interest you know social security no, it's not interest. Tax, it's, it's, it's just a tax it's a tax and as a tax it is simply destroyed upon receipt thank you very much you know it's marked up on a spreadsheet we deleted that money from your account it does not with go to a place that with the promise exactly you know, that right. when you hit okay. 65, you will be getting so much benefits based upon how much money you made, your income, how long you were in the system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, okay. they are both demand leakages. FICA tax and all taxes are demand leakages. 
bonds are a demand leakage. The difference is you choose to pay a bond if you have disposable cash and your taxes are just, you know, deleted because you have the obligation. Okay. All right. I actually, that, that, that concept of, I don't know, I, I feel like I, I get the mechanics of it. I get that the, the spreadsheet and, and Social Security is outsourcing the spreadsheet, but it's all the same thing. It's yeah. Congress creates, triggers the Treasury to instruct the Federal Reserve to increase their spreadsheet, then flows down to the states, to the banks, to the contractors, whatever. Mm -hmm. And taxes are the same thing, but I guess it goes straight to whatever level, the Federal Reserve, the Federal Taxes State Reserve for the state taxes. But it's all, it's all, all right, I get, I think I feel like I get the general concepts now. Okay. Well, then, then, then let's move on to the, to the next aspect of the currency issuer versus the currency user and the implications that we have there. Because we've discussed a lot about the federal government. To the federal government, money is nothing at all. Money is nothing. It is a choice. It is a decision. It's a, it's a number on a piece of paper. That's exactly. All it is. That's all it is. And they can create as much of it as they want or as little of it as they feel like. That's all it is. But to you, to me, to corporations, to cities, to towns, to states, these people are all currency users. To everyone else, if you are not the federal government, to everyone else, you're a currency user and you do need an income. So when we say taxes don't pay for federal spending, we've got to be very careful that we put in the word federal. federal. Because state taxes, municipal taxes, this shit does go towards uh, paying for state and local programs. Yeah, now, so, now it's like simple. I mean, it took me like a good four hours to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But now it's just like, it's like, well, duh, you know? <laughs> exactly. It just so, makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. every level except for federal. And the lie is that the federal is the same as as every other you level. As you and me. But it makes us I, go begging for to corporations and to rich people. Please, we're, we're starving. Please pay for better food. Right. Please pay and for I, I want to, I don't want to, we don't, have, we don't have to do this now, but I think a really interesting topic is blowing a hole through this myth by pushing it to, its logical next steps of, okay, if it is like a household, how does it exist in the world? What does it mean to this lie of, you know, we can't afford it? What does that mean we can't afford it? What does that mean of this, you know, the debt that we can't pay our debts? What do they, what do they say that that means? You know, they, what, from their they, point of view, what does that mean? From their point of view, it means they don't want to. If, but, it, if, but, someone, yeah, but, if someone but, in Congress says we can't afford it, it means they don't want to. Because, I, know that that's, you know. I know that that's the real answer, but sure. the journalist, a journalist's job mm -hmm. is to really understand their side and press them from mm -hmm. their perspective. Okay, if there is, and then after that, we decide, you know, then we say what the truth is. But, mm -hmm. but we have to go through their, they are telling us that we are going to run out of money, that Social mm -hmm. Security is going to run or whatever it is, yeah. these myths. Yeah. Okay, so what does that mean that it's going to run out of money? What does that mean from your point of view? What does that mean? I would really like to have these conversation of taking their lie, pushing it to really get what it means. Uh, and I know that that's just, a, it's an incredibly broad topic, but like, mm -hmm. that's what I was getting at before, which I want you to go back to what you were saying. But what, what I was trying to get at before was that kind of thing. You're preventing inflation on the domestic level. Mm -hmm. 
what are you trying to prevent on the global level? You, you know, okay. you, don't have to, you don't have to necessarily answer this right now. That's just a piece of the conversation that I want to have of number one, most importantly, I want to understand their point of view, which I know is since ultimately sinister. And, no, ultimately yeah. sinister. But, but I want to understand their point has, of view you know, from their point of view. going to the same place. You know, right, they're right. So have different perspectives. And ultimately it reveals what they really want if we understand what they want us to understand. So let's push mm -hmm. them to explain it further if we could sit down with them and really just keep pushing them and pushing them to explain their side as if they're the only people that know about this in the world and that we mm -hmm. want to learn from them. That's what I would really love to do. Well, and certainly this is one of the things that we have to do as citizens. As citizens, we have a responsibility to be able to learn as much about the economy as possible because the economy touches upon everything else. Everything yeah, else that you want is going to be dependent upon the economy and who controls it, who and, decides and, what gets spent. Excuse me, but there's one last thing I want to interject is mm -hmm. doing what I'm saying, which is to push them from their point of view to understand what they want us to understand mm -hmm. because obviously it's flimsy as you push further. Yeah. That is the beginning of, I think, educating the general population. Mm -hmm. That we have well, to take them from where they are and yeah. work their way towards MMT. Mm -hmm. And where they are is this myth. And so we have to really push this myth, myth to its limits. Yes, absolutely. You know, we have to wake them up. The, the, the only way this is going to work is if we wake up as many people as possible. And this is why I say to anyone running for Congress, this is the moment. This is the moment. You know, if, if Hillary Clinton had won, I have every confidence that uh, everyone would have just patted themselves on the back. Thank you very much. You did a good job. Go back to sleep. Stop paying attention. But that didn't happen. You know, I voted for Hillary. I was deathly afraid of Trump. You know, but Trump is here. And something happened. Something snapped. We were we were all asleep and didn't see what was coming, but it happened. And something just broke inside me. Um, and I will never go back to sleep again. And as I keep reading more and I talk more and I seek out more people and I seek out more points of view and I discovered, you know, the lie. You know, I discovered real progressives. I discovered Stephanie Kelton and Warren Mosler and Bill Mitchell. I discovered all these people uh, and discovered not only what the lie was, but also just how pathetic I felt for falling for it. You know, that I fell for it for so long. It's well, just undeniably pathetic. And, and I'm, I'm saying that about me. So to anyone that doesn't get this and resist it, I get it. I understand. It's a lot to get your brain around. But if, you can't, if we can't take this moment of people waking up, of people being pissed off, you know, if we can't take it, channel it. You know, all, this, all the school shootings that are happening right now, take this moment you know, and channel it into something good. Wake up as many people as possible. 
get them to understand the macroeconomic realities that have led to where we are right now. Why do we have so much austerity? Why do we have such shitty jobs? Why are we all running to the bank to be able to get debt for ourselves that we have to find money from, that we have to pay back the interest on? They keep telling us that at the federal level, the debt and the interest on the debt is going to be unsustainable. That's bullshit. On the federal level, they create as much money as they need to. Well, we interest, interest on interest on the federal debt, I mean, that's, that's nonsense on top of nonsense, right? Yes, it is. It's just keystrokes. You already have No, but it's money. A, there, there is no interest on the nat national debt. No, there, there what is, does that even mean from their point of Okay. That there is interest on the national debt. If you buy a treasury bill, as opposed to simply having you know, an account at the Federal Reserve and having a bond there. That's different. Transfer, than yeah, that's different. If you have it in the treasury, if you have a treasury bond, that is an interest-bearing bond. There's a reason why people buy it. It's free money. I'm giving you X amount of dollars. Okay? But that's, I'm that's giving the... You, I'm giving you a million dollars. Just bear with me for a second. Yeah, I'm sorry. a corporation. I'm a corporation. I'm going to buy a million dollars of U.S. treasuries. Okay? That is a bond. That technically adds to the national debt. Okay? And that is a bond that will pay off when it matures with interest. But they already okay. decided to do that in, in long ago. So it's long, not like well, they that's not like they have to fear, oh, we can't pay this interest. They already decided to pay this interest years of ago course. and they don't have to do anything to do so. But that is well they just gotta they mark up your account. You know, you I give you a, a million dollars and in five years you transfer that same million dollars, the unspent million dollars, the same million dollars back into my account, but now you mark it up with say, what was it, four percent, five percent interest? Right, you but they don't have to create up. a new bill to create that 4 or 5%. They created that when they wrote the Constitution, I guess, or every, whatever every, it was. Every, well, every time, they, every time a bill, you know, a bond matures, you know, they have to decide to be able to pay off the interest. It is a new, you know, they, have, they have to decide to do it. They have to sign off on it. Congress has to sign off on it. Which well, is this, trivial. This, I mean, well, this, they, well, it's a trivial thing, but they have, they have weaponized it already with the debt They've weaponized it. That answers it. That no, answers it. They have they, weaponized it. It is a trivial thing. For decades and decades and decades and decades, you know, they would just simply vote to, to raise the debt ceiling, vote to raise the debt ceiling, vote to raise the debt ceiling. But they found a way to get their way, to get what they want, a political agenda. And they say, no, we are going to shut down the government. The debt is unsustainable. The deficit is unsustainable. The interest on the debt, yada, yada, yada. No, to a federal government, interest on the debt is nothing. It is less than nothing. The only risk is it, that it's potentially inflationary. That's it. To you and I. But that's it, pretty it, gentle. It, that's a pretty gentle. I mean, the, the interest on the debt, that's 4%. You know, I mean, that doesn't seem like it could easily get out of control. It, it, it's not going to be a problem. You know? And even if it does, simply issue more bonds or raise taxes or, yeah. or raise the interest rates on It's loans. trivial to deal with. That's the point. It's, it's trivial, trivial to deal with, yes. As long as we are a productive society, as long as we are producing goods and services, it is trivial. Wow, uh, and they're actually and, making that, that less production come true by being so austere or whatever the term is. By, by, having, by having austerity, by trying to reduce, you know, when Clinton you know, got us into a surplus where we taxed more than we actually spent into the economy. Remember, uh, the federal government's 
deficit is our surplus. They spend more, we earn more. They spend less, and we earn less. So what happens when we had that great government surplus of the 1990s? Everyone now has to start financing their lives themselves. They have to start going to credit card debt. They have to start going to the banks and getting loans. And what are the interests on these things? 12, 15, 20, 25 percent. So balanced we budget. Balanced is a, budget. Is a killer. Clint, well, yes, it's, it's, it's not good, but it's also a sham because there was such a big deal made out of um, Bill Clinton, I think, left with a balanced budget or something like that. Mm -hmm. he, and he, left, Trump he left with a surplus. Trump, okay, surplus. So trumpeted it like it was this, I'm a, I did great for the country. And yes. it actually just, it actually was just it hurt the country. screwing the powerless, the powerless, yeah. powerless. And, and uh, we all celebrated because we were told for years and years and years that the federal government is like a household. We cannot keep spending like this. Right. You right. couldn't do it. We can't. So when Bill Clinton uh, gave us a surplus, we all did a cheer and said, yay. And then we all went into personal debt. That is unsustainable. Federal debt, fine. Personal debt, anything but federal, state, yes. local, personal. Okay, I want to ask you a completely unrelated question. You said that um, uh, that Trump woke well, Trump woke you up. Is that an accurate statement? Trump, Trump. I, I was always politically aware, but I was never politically active until Trump happened. And then I came face to face with the reality that I haven't done shit. I haven't done anything. What about, what about the TV screen? What about the Bernie Hillary campaign? I, you know, I voted. I did my duty. But I you, voted. you weren't like it. You weren't like uh, caught up by Bernie Sanders or anything like that. Like you Bernie, had been. I, I was. I lived in Vermont for 16 years. Bernie was my boy. He was my guy. You know, he never did anything in 16 years to ever make me feel ashamed. You know, but he was he was one in a sea of hundreds that did not see the world the same way he did. But I did not. So I what was it like? Engage. Your experience? I, I did not engage. I did not volunteer. I did. Were not you excited back. about him? Of course, absolutely. Are you kidding? But what? But I mean, not what, beyond what Vermont. Mean be I mean, were you excited? Were you excited because that of he the was big thing? No, that not he was more than just that you remembered him from Vermont and he was, you know, nothing upset you, but were, did you get, like, the important stuff that he brought to the scene yes, for absolutely. people like me who, you know, teaching, teaching, you know, his, his stumps. Okay, for, for me, and I want to get the rest of your answer I don't, mm -hmm. if I'm interrupting you, but sure, I think I understand. Okay. I was not politically active at all. The only thing mm -hmm. I ever did was pull the lever for Democrat all the way down. That's all I ever did, having no yeah. clue what I was doing, just being told – that's, you know, Democrats care for the people, Republicans care for the wealthy. Yeah. And which today is like Republicans care for the wealthy and don't give a shit about it. And they're OK with that. Democrats care for the wealthy, but they feel guilty about it. And they'll put a gay people are nice sticker on your back and whisper sweet nothings in your ear. That's the difference between yeah. the parties as far as what I'm concerned. Yeah. So I just pulled Democrat all the way down the line. And then Bernie Sanders came along. And, and I, you know, his stump speeches are lessons. His stump speeches are lessons. They're incredibly mm -hmm. droll. I mean, he's not like a funny guy. He's just, 
you can just sense that you are being taught the most important thing you've ever been taught and hearing his stump speech over and over again, which he did over and over again. And pretty much everyone was the same. It was just like, the more you hear it, the more that you're like, you're getting more and more like you're being woken up. And, yeah. and, and Bernie Sanders taught us, which I said in the comments and Bernie Sanders taught me and millions like me that money in politics is the root of all evil, politically speaking. And yeah. it was like, well, you don't agree with them. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of evil. Uh, there, there's a lot of evil, and there was a lot of evil before money was was a problem. But right now, yes, well, money money is a huge money money huge in politics, gerrymandering, problem. and voting rights. Those are the yeah. three things that the uh, the foundation yeah. of the problem. But money in politics is has has to be done. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, I mean, everything else things. will come if money gets out of politics. Everything else is much more possible. Everything will come if we get engaged. You know, we could we could get rid of money in politics, just like I was saying. You know, if if Hillary had won, we would have considered that a victory. First female president, glass ceiling broken, job well done. Everyone go back to your lives. No right. need so, to get involved. So if we get rid of money in politics, to me the lesson of Trump is you have to get engaged and you have to stay engaged constantly. You know, take breaks, self-care, absolutely. But you must remain engaged no matter who is in power. If it's Democrats in power, right. you must push them even harder than Republicans. You know, okay, so, so some, someone just said in the comments, some, so, so I woke up at the Bernie campaign. I did mm -hmm. nothing. I was not aware at all, not yeah. aware at all before the Bernie campaign. Um, you seemed to, you said that you were, have been aware, but you didn't get involved. I didn't get involved. So, I was politically okay. aware my whole life. I did not get involved. I right. No, I was not years. at all, just not at all. And in fact, in fact, I becoming politically aware for the first time, I felt a sense that I am in control of my life. Mm -hmm. And even though, um, or at least, at least that I'm in, I know that I have the potential of being in control. I can see the barriers in front of me and what they really are, not just this nebulous stuff, but money and politics and all that, you know, party yeah. resistance mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But someone just said, um, yeah, but Bernie still sort of buys into, uh, or at least talks how about, how do you pay for it? How do you, right. How it? do you pay for it? And he, mm -hmm. and he, you know, so, so, uh, you what seem I, to suggest to me that, that he does these things, not because he doesn't know, but because he just sort of miscalculated how to better best communicate it to the people. And that is a personal belief. I have nothing whatsoever to base that on. I've never met him. I've never had a conversation with him. And the fact but that he's with Stephanie Kelton sort of see, reinforces sort of, that. I sort think. of reinforces. In, in my opinion, Bernie Sanders understands MMT. Bernie uh, understands the implications. But given the fact that he was an unknown senator from Vermont, not known on the national stage, uh, it would have been too much of a leap to be able to uh, inflame the senses uh, of what is possible, but also to throw caution to the wind and tell everyone that you've been lied to. What's really interesting to me is that it's not difficult to get people to believe that they've been lied to by their government. I think that's a very old idea. I think people are quite ready to believe that. Uh, but it's the nature of this particular lie that I think is very difficult to get through to people but, because but the lie I, I think... is so seductive. You know, but I think I think it was a miscalculation. Like I think it, it was a very big miscalculation because he he made a choice to um, 
mute this. Uh, he made a choice to there's either one of them is both uh, bad. Mm-hmm. One is bad because you have to teach people this thing that takes about four hours of paying attention, which yeah. I just sort of at least I I think I've passed newbie and now I'm intermediate on NMT here. Good. And but it took it took a good amount of focus and attention. And, it takes and time. Yeah. So so Bernie didn't have it's hard to do. You know, it was time. it was enough to teach people what he taught people. And yeah. so hopefully it was a choice. But the consequence of that choice was then he had to deal with, I'm going to pay for free college by doing a tax on Wall Street speculation. Whoa, taxing the rich. And so the tension goes away from the greatness of the benefit of free college for all, public university. And now it's taxing the rich, Wall Street speculation. Now we're we're not talking about the, the, the core of the idea. Now we're talking about the controversy of how you pay for it. Exactly. And it, it took attention completely away from that. So I think it was a miscalculation. I think, I mean, he is such a grand communicator mm-hmm. and so authentic. But, that, he, but he doesn't get your attention for long enough to do both. That's, that, that, that's right. my belief. And, and I, I think, don't know that to be true. I don't know what he was thinking, what he was so, hoping for, but that's okay. my belief. I so think our, he believed that he didn't have... He didn't have the ability to get your attention for long enough to not only uh, tell you what he wants to do, but also to teach you uh, how the economy works and so that you understand that it's possible. Uh, But again, I don't have any basis to say that that's true. That's simply what I believe based upon following his career for you know, 30 years now, and but, knowing that Stephanie Kelton was his economic advisor. Right. He, he chose to bring Stephanie Kelton on, yeah. probably for much of his campaign, not just like after. Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. So he clearly, he gets it, and he made that choice to do this, I'm going to pay for it this way, which yeah. he just should have done better. But our goal, our ultimate goal, I think it's fair to say, is that we want to educate the masses in preparation for, yes. you know, short term 2020. Job. 2020 he, he did he did his job we're doing our job right so maybe maybe i wonder if this this i don't know i mean i'm just joining but i was this this resurgence of mmt is this a resurgence of mmt or has it always been there and that did, did bernie sort of create something in relation to nmt because no he didn't uh, it's, so it's always been there and i'm just joining, M- the, M- joining M- the ride. M- mmt you know started in the 1990 no i don't mean that i know mmt started yeah well, MMT is simply a description of the of economics, you know, the money creation, its circulation, and how it's deleted, and that explains money, you know, throughout throughout the ages, all monetary systems. Well, you know, same so with money and politics, but I, I was just, I, I mean, money and politics has been there for a long time too. I just mean the the waking up of millions of people. I'm wondering if if MMT, if the awareness of MMT that real progressives pushes so I hard, think- if, if Probably then, then yes, I th- it'll probably be, be be Bernie. I think there is uh, a lot of people were waking up to MMT. I wasn't aware of it until post twenty sixteen election. So, um, so I'm wondering. So, this is what I'm wondering: Did did Bernie Sanders teaching? You know, his, his whole stump speech is not just. This is the difference between Bernie and Hillary, mm-hmm. in my opinion. My opinion. My opinion. Bernie, everything that Bernie wants to do is all is all uh, glued together by some fundamental underlying foundation of lifting the powerless up. Yeah. Everything. It has a purpose. It mm-hmm. fits into that puzzle of lifting up the powerless, making, you know, a more just society like your op-ed. 
And money in politics is the biggest stumbling block that mm -hmm. is getting in the way of that. And he, yeah. that's what he taught us. And I'm wondering if, so someone like me learned that. And I mean, this is what I'm going through right now. So, mm -hmm. okay, so why is this so difficult? What Bernie Sanders taught me before MMT, why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult? And then people pushing that, why is it so difficult and pushing? And then MMT becomes, that's the next realization. I'm wondering if like, if there was a, a large amount of people that went through that process because of what they learned. That's a good Sanders. question. I can't really answer that. You know, I, I would say that most people, you know, if you would ask them in the last 20 years, at least, for as long as I've been aware of politics, money in politics has been a national question. People have been talking about money in politics, money in politics, how are we going to get rid of money in politics? Uh, the idea of MMT and federal financing, um, I fell for the lie along with everyone else. I got activated long after the 2016 election. It wasn't until like last May when I finally, you know, just went, oh, my God. So from your God, point of really? so from your point of view, what you learned from Bernie Sanders was that part of your process in working towards MMT. No, like, what, I, what, what I'm saying is what I learned. Bernie Sanders didn't tell me anything I didn't already know in the last campaign. Okay, you know I did not learn anything. So you're not the right person at the time. Okay. You know I was I was I was a hardcore leftist. You know uh, from the time I was a teenager. Uh, so Bernie didn't teach me anything. Uh, I was very excited to have Bernie run because finally there was someone getting national attention who could actually have gone all the way and so could have. He educated you because uh, you were in Vermont, I think is what you're saying. Like you were no, educated I, long I ago was, because... I was, I was educated even before Bernie. You know, uh, I was educated on good social uh, politics long before mm. Bernie Sanders ever uh, I'm, entered my... I'm uh, jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. I didn't I, do I mean, anything I, with this. You know, the, don't I, be jealous of me. I was the guy that had, you know, the answers in terms of what was socially responsible and moral. No, I, I, know, I, but I didn't do anything with it. No, so I, I lived much of I, I lived much of my life and just shut up and keep your head down and just, you know, take what you yeah. can get. And I think that that's actually that's actually, I think a lot where a lot of the resentment comes and the sensitivity comes from. You have to vote for Hillary, which is that sense of. Yeah keep your head down and take what you can get. Otherwise, we're going to get even worse. Well, that, um, well that's the thing. You know, the same thing in the whole way we have been economically depressed for 40 years, you know, slowly taking away more and more and more. So you become like a kicked dog in the corner. You know, just, just don't make any waves. Just if you don't pay attention to me, maybe I'll be able to make it through this day. You know, and that's right. how we and, go through And that, that's lives. the view of the, of the, of the, the Hillary Trump campaign is mm – -hmm is let's just make it through this election and then we'll start, you know, and, 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 you know, the candidates who the, run, yeah. who, who candidates who run, who you don't want to push because mm -hmm. you really want them to win, but we'll push them after they get into office kind of a yeah. thing. You know, it's like, when does and that stop? When does that stop? Never. Exactly. It's never the right time to talk about. It's never the right guns. time to do. Exactly. It's, it's never, never the, the right, right time, time to, to talk, talk about, about it. No, nope. it's just too sensitive no. right now. Well, when do they stop? Because shootings are going on all the time now. Yeah, exactly. So you don't even have time to recover before the next one. All right. So I think I, our I, overall. I, I, I do have to stop pretty soon because I'm going to run out of battery. Uh, so and, and it is getting late. So we'll, we'll have to pick this yeah. up another time. That's fine. But I, uh, I, 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 just as far as like sort of where we're going from here, I hope we can yeah. do this again. I hope so, too. Absolutely. So I think that teaching people means that we have to really understand what they know 
and yes. what the politicians are telling us. Where are so they coming I, from? Right. We have to really understand the lie better, <laughs> really, so that we can then go to the people who that's all that they're told and say, you know, be able to understand, oh, whatever, stupid Rothschild Federal Reserve stuff, you know, I, I don't even know what that stuff is. I barely know what the Federal Reserve is in truth, let alone all the, the you know. Yeah, the, the, the Rothschilds, that, that's a whole other thing. I mean, I know that there is some sinisterness behind the Federal Reserve, even probably truthfully, but, but that doesn't stop the general principle. But we need to understand the lie. We really mm -hmm. need to understand the lie. And it might yeah. be interesting if we could find someone that really gets that yeah. um, and can teach it to us so we can push them from their point of view, not pushing MMT onto them at all, but, but really trying to learn from them as if they're the only one that knows yeah. that we really need well, to learn. I would push everyone, go to Real Progressives, go see St uh, Stephanie Kelton. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Stephanie Kelton is the go-to person to explain things because she has a way about her, a demeanor. Uh, she explains things in a way that is easily digestible. She you doesn't know, get easy frustrated. She doesn't get frustrated. I get angry when I talk about these things. You know, a lot of people in MMT, you know, get angry when we talk about things, these things because we've been lied to for all our lives. And lives are on the line. People are dying. No yeah, joke. But they are we're never going to get we're, but, but you're never going to get there mm -hmm. unless you gently and no one wants to come to you yeah, unless no. you're gentle about it. Then, then I would say go to Stephanie Kelton. She is as gentle as they come. She is wonderful. And in a, in a life like mine, I have no heroes in my life. Stephanie Kelty is my hero. You know, the way that she approaches things, the way that she comports herself, talks about these things, the work that she puts into it, uh, holy hell. You know, she's the whole package. I love, I love real progressives. They, they you know, are an incredible uh, array of people. Uh, but don't stop there. The information is everywhere. Stephanie Kelton, Warren Mosler, you know, uh, uh, Alice Winningham, Dr. Joe uh, Firestone. There's tons, yeah, I mean, there's tons the, of people. Mike Norman. But there's, been, you know. but there's been plenty of people through history and no one's hearing them because, because the well, cacophony of, of, I guess, mainstream media, I guess, is the tool that they use to, to, to reinforce that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we're, we have to reach them through the new media kind of a thing. I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's an element of learning why. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So you got to go. And people have got to got to wake wake up. You know, it's self preservation if nothing else. Self preservation. If you can't do it for your citizen, for your community, for your family, do it for yourself. You know, uh, because no one is going to fight for you if you don't. Let that be your mantra. You know, even yeah. if that's not true, people are fighting for you. But be your own advocate. Learn as much as you can. Knowledge is power, and then activate. Then go. Do. Okay. All right. With that, you're probably going to lose me before you can even hit close out. So, you know, I love you guys. You know, I love you, Jeff. You spell your name wrong, but I respect you anyway. Well, I had my uh, my stage name was G U F F back in the <laughs> <laughs> And I have to tell you, for the past what has it been, hour and a half now, when I said that it froze up a long time ago, I have been staring at a still picture of you. Pretending that you're moving around. <laughs> so, excellent. All right. Thank, thank you. I, I, I would love to. I don't know exactly where this goes because it's so big, but I, I get the mm -hmm. basics now. Um, okay. 
So I, I look forward to doing this again. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Good night, everyone. Have Thanks, everyone. Night. Good night. Bye-bye.